Welcome to In Conversation With, a Hollywood Reporter podcast produced in partnership with Apple TV+. In each episode, we sit down with the creators and stars of some of TV's most compelling shows to hear more about what went into bringing these stories to life. I'm Rebecca Ford, Senior Awards Editor at The Hollywood Reporter, and for this episode, I'd love to welcome Michelle Dockery, who stars in the powerful miniseries Defending Jacob, opposite Chris Evans. Of course, you probably know her for playing Lady Mary Crawley in the hit Downton Abbey, or her more recent work on the series Godless. This time, she stars as a mother whose 14-year-old son is accused of murdering his classmate. Michelle, thank you so much for doing this and chatting with us for a little bit about Defending Jacob. I flew through the series because I just needed to know what happened and where the story went. And I think it went such surprising directions and I, I was continuously surprised. But maybe for people who haven't watched it yet, you could just tell me a little bit uh, about the story and your character just to introduce it. So the story unfolds around a, a 14-year-old boy who is accused of murdering his classmate. And the story really revolves around the family and how they process all of this. Um, and it moves right through the trial. So it's it's really, you know, it's a, it's a crime drama, but it's also a family drama in a sense, which makes it different from an average crime drama. I mean, that's certainly what I loved about it and fell in love with is that, you know, it, it really is is more than just a courtroom drama or crime drama and focuses so much on the effects that it has on the family, which is what's so interesting about the series, as opposed to the crime itself. It's less of a whodunit than, I mean, it is, but its focus is far more on the family. Yeah. And, and you and Chris Evans play the child's parents, yes. obviously. And, and I think your character is so interesting because she is going through such complex emotions mm. about this you know she isn't sure if the child was involved in this murder and and she's really dealing with a lot tell me about when you first signed on what did you anticipate to be sort of the biggest challenge with this character well initially when I first signed on I think I read four or five episodes so I was familiar with the book but it deflects somewhat from from the book. So I had an idea of what was coming, but it hadn't quite yet been written, you know. I mean, what drew me to the part was, as you say, this very kind of complex journey that Laurie goes on. You know, the, I think the, the sort of light bulb kind of ding moment for me was, was those scenes with Dr. Vogel, the psychiatrist, when Laurie begins to doubt her son's innocence and she starts to reflect on his behavior as a child and it's it's where her and Andy where Laurie and Andy as parents differ because he he has somewhat better coping mechanisms I guess than than Laurie I think that she which you know you, you could say is neither a good or bad thing I mean I, I think that she she can't help but let her moral reasoning sort of get in the way of defending her child in in some sense but she's questioning who is this man I married you know what have I created so the emotional journey for her is a roller coaster really and the information that she receives as time goes on you know she finds out that her father-in-law is in prison and there is a potentially a genetic connection between her son and him so she sort of 
questioning everything, you know, her whole life, you know, who did I marry? And ultimately, what did I do wrong? You know, I think parents' guilt, you know, plays so much into this story is that she she feels so much responsibility and guilt if he did do this or was involved in any way. Mm -hmm. And you said you were familiar with the book. So when you were preparing for this, did you lean more on the book or was it just the scripts or did a lot of research going into this? It was the scripts really. I mean, I I do tend to work that way. I feel, the, I mean, the book obviously is a great reference to have. And, you know, this is Defending Jacob is a brilliant book. And, but I knew that there were changes, you know, and, and particularly for Laurie, there were some differences. So sometimes, and I think I've learned that as time has gone on, that you can get too engrossed in the original. And then when you come to actually doing it and the scripts differ, then you need to kind of, forget all of that. So I read it and then I just sort of put it to one side. It really depends on, on the project, I guess. Um, but for this, it was, it, you know, it's very, it's very true to the book, but it, you know, it deflects somewhat. So, I mean, I, I think both writers, William Landay and Mark, you know, are just such incredible storytellers and he consulted on the show. So we got to meet him, which was, which was wonderful. Um, he was there during some of the courtroom scenes. So it was great to meet the man who created this family and story. Does it add any extra pressure for you when you know someone like that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it does. Um, yeah. When somebody told me he was, he was in, I was, you know, I thought, Oh, I hope he, I hope he saw me as his lorry, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it was wonderful to have him there. He's, he was a great presence, of course, to have on set. And obviously this is a novel, but, you know, there are real cases like this. And I sometimes do think about the parents when you hear about these real news stories. Did you look into speaking to any parents like that or did you sort of keep the real world examples separate? I mean, I thought about it, but when the writing is as good as Mark's, you know, everything is there for you on the page. I mean, I felt, but it's, you know, it's really about getting into the mindset, you know, as it's happening, as opposed to researching for me. You know, again, I've sort of, not that it's, you know, I made any mistakes, but certainly my process has changed over the years in that I would over-prepare for things. Um, and I've learned to prepare what you need to, and then actually when you're there acting with the other actors and you've something happens that is some, you know, so much is unpredictable in the moment. And I like that feeling of not preparing too much and not mm. sort of making too many decisions about how I'm going to play this part, how I'm going to embody the character. But of course it's always on your mind with a role like this, you know, and it's, mm -hmm. That's something that I was, of course, very aware of, you know, because it is a very difficult subject and, you know, an awful ordeal for a parent to go through. And um, I just always kept questioning, you know, the the sort of balance between Laurie being vulnerable herself and vulnerable towards her husband, you know, in front of her husband and then kind of save, you know, saving face in front of Jacob, you know. So that was always the challenge of you know, how far can you go in each scene? And of course, there are moments where she sort of loses her temper in front of Jacob and, 
you know, there are difficult moments where they're all, they're all struggling in their own, you know, in their own journey and how they're, they're all dealing with it very differently. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, you know, this, I can imagine this role wasn't easy. I mean, there's a lot of emotion with it. How do you sort of handle that when you're on mm. on set versus, you know, the day is done and you, yeah. you want to go back to feeling good about yourself? Yeah. <laughs> um, how, what are sort of your strategies to deal with a heavy role like this? Um, I mean, it with the amount of emotion that is required, I have to know the scene inside out so that when I'm doing it and when the words are coming out, I'm kind of not even thinking about it which I guess is how I approach every job. But but with this particularly, and because it was an accent, mm-hmm. I had to really know the scene. And I mean, it would depend on each scene, really. You know, some scenes start where the emotion is building and then it builds. So you kind of find it within the scene. Some scenes sort of start where you're bursting into tears as you walk in the door. So it varies. But yeah, I really had to get into a zone with this part. You know, some roles you can... Well, I certainly can be in character and then switch out of switch out of the or not the character, but the emotion quite quickly. And, you know, you're on to the next thing and you're having a joke. And with this, there were certain moments where I just if I for one minute (laughs) became distracted or thought about the next scene or thought about what I was having for lunch, I would kind of come out of the the zone. So it was challenging, you know, and I, I did look forward to going home and you know, relaxing and watching, (laughs) watching a comedy and, you know, pulling myself out of that uh, intensity. Yeah. But it was a very, the energy on set was, it was such a good energy, this, this show and everybody we were working with, everyone has had such a great sense of humour and we were so aware of this intense drama that we were creating that, I think subconsciously we were all going, we really need to have a laugh when we can. (laughs) Um, So there was a lot of games that went on between takes and, you know, just keeping the atmosphere light so that we weren't all solemn every every day. (laughs) I can imagine. Um, And you mentioned the accent. And I think most of your roles, you've had to take on a different accent than your own uh, regularly. But how did you all decide for this one, because I, I, you, you have a sort of traditional American accent, but was there any debate about going, you know, more of an East Coast mm. accent? I know Chris seems to have a stronger yeah. one in his character. Yeah, thankfully, thankfully not. Um, <laughs> because I, you know, of course, when I first read it, I thought, oh, she's, she's Boston. It's all set in Boston. And yeah. uh, it was, I think it was one of the first questions I asked Morton and Mark our director and writer just you know just to check do I have to work on a Boston accent before this and we we decided very quickly that it's probably best that we just do a you know a general American accent and which she very well could have you know she's you know she doesn't necessarily come from Boston but that of course was a relief because you know I absolutely love the Boston accent but I'm not I'm no pro at it (laughs) right and I feel like locals, you know, they'll they'll call you out if you don't get that. Absolutely, one right. yeah, 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 yeah. I wasn't going to set myself up for that. An American accent alone is enough, you know, even if it's just general. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you ever crave doing more work in your natural accent, or you enjoy I do, switching? I do actually. I mean, it. There's only been a few jobs that I've used my own accent, which is this, you know, London, Essex, where I'm from. Essex is a sort of twang of my 
my um my roots but i tend to i've ever i've always been playing characters with accents which i love you know because it's a they're very different from me um and i enjoy doing that i enjoy just kind of morphing into somebody else but i do sometimes think it would be it would be nice to 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 do something and a little less work <laughs> in my own accent <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> So I'm curious, when it came to working with Chris, you know, you two play a married couple who's been together for quite some time. Did you have time to rehearse together? How did you sort of build that bond? We had some rehearsal, but very, very little. I mean, with television, you're lucky if you if you have the time carved out for rehearsal. And there was a little in the first week before we started shooting. Um, but I will say that I, I think so much of that came from us being in that set of that of the house the barber's house we were on that set for six weeks for a big chunk of the schedule um because of location and every they kind of got most of that out of the way and then by the time we were all in the house together they were pretty much back-to-back scenes throughout the series of when the, the family are together so i think that played a big part in that bonding time because we were together, you know, often you're doing a scene and another actor is doing something else. And sometimes you can go for two days without seeing your, your fellow actor. Whereas for, for the three of us, we were together a lot during those weeks. I mean, I, I think we, I mean, we all work in a very similar way. I think that maybe has something to do with it. There's, I mean, Jaden is just, I think he's extraordinary you know, mm-hmm. for an, an actor his age, I just think he's he's amazing. And there was a real sensitivity surrounding like those very delicate scenes. And Morton was very sensitive to that. But yeah, we all just got on really well. You know, we we mm-hmm. were all good friends very quickly. And so I think that that came that obviously comes across, which is great. And I'm curious if you could talk about sort of a new challenge you faced with this project that maybe you hadn't faced before and is, is sort of a, a, a lesson or a, a skill you can take on to whatever's next once we go back to shooting things? I, <laughs> with this one, <laughs> I think the, the, what I learned on this was to reserve my energy for those emotional scenes. I tend to be quite, I'm very sociable when I'm on set. You know, I like to chat to everyone and you know, ask everyone how their day is. And, and I learned my lesson quite quickly on this, that I have to, I have to reserve my energy for certain scenes where I had to just be quiet and actually, Mm. you know, just, just go into that zone, as I was saying. Um, and I learned that quite quickly on this one, (laughs) um, (laughs) because it, it did require a lot of, of that, you know, tapping into that emotion and, and it does require concentration and and me not just sort of bursting into laughter and, you know, having jokes and, and also sort of coming out of my own, coming out of the American accent into my own accent. So I did have to focus a lot more on this. So going into anything next that is emotional, I think I've learned that lesson that I need to reserve my energy a little more. You know, there's a lot of scenes in here in the show when I was watching it where I was just thinking that 
that's got to be her toughest scene. And then there'd mm-hmm. be an- another later one. on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm curious if there was a particular scene that you felt most intimidated by or that you really had to work yourself up to um, or weren't sure if you could pull off. That grocery store scene I found the most difficult. It's funny, you know, because sometimes it's the scenes without any dialogue. And that scene, it's just, you know, all she says is Joan when she sees Joan Rifkin, who is the only other person in the grocery store at 6am, you know, because they're both avoiding being in public. And it's the two mothers facing one another. And Laurie, of course, goes to say something and Joan just spits in her face. And it's, I mean, I was anticipating it coming up to that scene. I thought, oh, here we go. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is going to be an interesting one. And and with, like I always do, taking everything with a bit of a sense of humour and, you know, I never try and take things too seriously. But when it comes to a scene like that, you know, Laurie goes from walking in, she's feeling very lonely, but sort of free because she's on her own and she's walking around the store and she feels like she's the only one there. And actually she gets a little bit of time to herself, which is rare. And then this song comes on, you know, which is so ironic, you know, every little thing is going to be all right. And so she starts kind of going, oh, I'm just going to let go and buy buy all this food for the 4th of July. Why can't we do that? Why can't we be that family still? And then, of course, she's approached, she sees Joan Rifkin, which looks awful to Joan that this woman whose son is on, you know, has been accused of killing her her son is stood there right in front of her and packing a trolley full of the 4th of July gifts. So the emotions were, you know, it was one thing, then another thing, then another thing. So, and it happened in, you know, in these sort of stages throughout this grocery store scene, which we sort of paced, you know, at different points during the day. And I was exhausted by the end of it. I didn't know what I was feeling. <laughs> um, but actually, by, I have to say, by the end, when it got to that point with with the, the, the Joan and the whole, you know, standoff at the end, it was, um, we, we had to find a little bit of humour there because, you know, your my makeup artist, Tara, was stood there with a watering can spray doing all of that stuff and uh, which you, you, you have to sort of at some point go, okay, this is time to, to just lighten, lighten the mood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah I can that was certainly the most, most challenging scene. Um, and very moving, you know, sometimes i I play, a, you know, you play a role and you kind of, you can overwhelm yourself sometimes with, you know, how the, how the character would feel, you know, how the person would feel. And these two mothers just kind of stood facing one another. It was really moving just to even do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you're working with a director, what do you find is sort of, and you have a scene like that mm. helps you the most, um, what sort of helps you the most when you need support from a director on a scene like that? Well, Morton is, always I feel like he's one step ahead all the time so and loves actors he really loves working the whole process of working with actors you know he's such a visionary but he also loves the process with with actors Mm. which I think is such a gift when you find that sort of director I found with Morton that he really allowed me to go too far and then I can rein it back in I felt safe you know, it's the, I, I always think the best directors are the ones that it's like you're walking on a tightrope, but there's a safety net underneath you. It's like you can mm-hmm. you can go as far as you like. And so 
Morton and I had this really good sort of shorthand at times where, <laughs> you know, I'd be doing a scene and maybe go a bit too emotional and then he'd come over and, you know, just kind of tell me to pull it back in because, of course, in my head, I'm just doing what I want to do instinctively, but he has the whole map and thinking, okay, well, in the last scene, she just was really emotional, so maybe we need to pull it. In. So, you know, you have a team around you who are who are all kind of seeing the bigger picture, you know, while you're kind of doing your, you know, your your scene that you're you're playing. And Morton was great at just sort of gently guiding the emotional journey, you know, which for me was important because I sometimes wasn't sure how far to go or or when to to pull it back in. And so the show premiered on Apple TV Plus on April 24th. And obviously we were already in this new coronavirus setting. Was that experience any different for you? You know, I mean, when it comes to the way you've been dealing with press or even premiere, how has this experience been different compared to what it was before? It's been quite different. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't always, I'm not always at home to watch the show that mm. I've done. So that that has been um, nice to watch it every week. I mean, I'd seen it, I'd seen it before, before we, before we started press, but that's definitely something I hadn't done before is to actually sit down after dinner and watch, watch it, um, which I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed. And of course this, what we're doing, it's very different. We would, I would normally be uh, in New York or LA and we would be on a press tour so it's, it, yeah, it has, of course, been very different. And, you know, so many people out there are adjusting and uh, it's, it's been, it's been different. Yeah. Very, very different. And so you mentioned you watch, you're, you're watching the show, you're watching your own work. What is that experience like for you as an actor? Do you always watch uh, your own work? Did you watch Downton, things like that? It depends it, Downton, I think there was one or two episodes that I never, I eventually saw them. Mm-hmm. You know, I definitely did. I think series five, I didn't watch and then eventually caught up on them. I find it much easier to watch myself now. I used to hate it. <laughs> um, <laughs> it it's, it's definitely something I've gotten used to. I can also learn from it. I feel like I can watch things and often I watch things back and think, Oh, I was really, you know, you can get worked up about something in a scene that, uh, you know, there's something in the dialogue or something that you feel like it's not working. And then you watch it back and you think, oh, I was really caught up about something that actually on camera, it just, you know, you have that, that it's like that expression, it just sort of comes out in the wash. And actually, you, mm-hmm. I needn't have kind of fixated so much on that one particular moment. I could have just sort of, you know, let it go. So it is sometimes I find it good to watch things, you know, in order to kind of learn for the next, Mm -hmm. for the next job. I also just love watching everybody else. I mean, to be honest, I prefer watching, I prefer watching everybody else than myself because you're always, there's always that critical, you know, that little voice that's saying, you could have done it this way, or maybe you should have done it like this. But I loved watching the scenes that I wasn't part of, which I'd read and, or I was going on in another studio while I was doing something else. So it, it was great to watch Betty Gabriel, all of her work, because we barely, you know, we, we had one, one or two scenes together and, you know, more, more of Cherry Jones because I just, you know, I just can't get enough of 
watching Cherry Jones. I just adore her and working with her was amazing. So, yeah, watching the whole thing come together is is wonderful. And the reviews for the show have been very strong, especially your work and Chris's work. Uh, I'm curious how you approach reviews do you do you read those things or at this point I've sort of just... done it with one like through my hand I kind of read them sort of with one eye shut you know I used to not read reviews I used to be like I'm not I'm not reading them but I do they do interest me sometimes mm-hmm. I'm, I'm interested to know uh you know everybody has their view on on something and uh but I do tend to take them with a pinch of salt because of course there is a huge audience out there and it's uh you know, you take the good with the bad. I think it's that's also really important. If you're going to read the good <laughs> ones, you, <laughs> um, it's also good to read the ones that aren't so good. But yeah, we, the response has been wonderful for this. And um, I'm, I'm so proud of the show. And a lot of really brilliant people worked on this production. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of it. And I'm just so glad that people are enjoying it out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a wonderful show. And you can tell the sort of care that went into it, mm. I think. You know, when we look at your, you've had such a a wonderful journey on your career. I'm curious what you haven't gotten to do yet that you really want to do, whether that's a genre that you haven't gotten to test out Mm -hmm. or some sort of role that you're, you're still dying to try out. I mean, I'm, I used to dance. So I, when I first started in this profession, I, you know, I was dancing and singing way more than I was acting. I I think I would have easily gone down that musical theatre route at some point and then it, it just, I just sort of changed direction and then that happened. So musicals do interest me. I would, I would love to have a crack at a musical, <laughs> but I don't, I don't have anything in particular or a person or a character in particular. I, you know, it really depends on the material and, you know, so far I've been very fortunate with the roles that I've played and they've been very, they've been so varied so we'll see. But definitely something a bit musical next time would be fun. I'd love that. Let's make it happen. <laughs> Once we get back to filming. Um, so, you know, you between Defending Jacob and Godless, you've done two miniseries. But I'm curious if you would consider doing another, you know, show like Downton where you were really committed for a few years to something again. Again, it really depends on the material and the part. You know, I certainly would would be you know interested in in that if if the right thing came along it's been a while now since I've done something that was ongoing because mm-hmm. I've been doing mini series and films in between so yeah it really it really just depends on on the role well I'm excited for whatever you do <laughs> <laughs> next so you know we wrap this up with three sort of lightning round questions mm. for you and so the first is if you had to quarantine with one of your co-stars or crew from the show who would you want to have in your uh, space with you <laughs> um I would have to say Tara Day my lovely makeup artist who I also worked mm-hmm. on Godless with we have a lot of fun together. So we'd, I think we'd have a good time. <laughs> and then you'd always be camera ready for all your <laughs> Exactly. <Yeah. God. laughs> that's true. <laughs> I think that's a challenge lots of talent is having yeah, these yeah. days. Um, yeah. Having to all do our own makeup. Uh, <laughs> and then our second one here is if you could recommend a podcast, a film, something, you know, listeners should watch right now during this surreal time. Is there anything you'd recommend? 
I would recommend my favorite murder just mm-hmm. because I lo- I absolutely love that podcast and those women. Also, we did recently do an interview with them, which was so much fun and yeah. such a treat for me because I just, I'm such a fan. Um, so, you know, in line with the genre of the show, I would recommend my favorite murder. That's so funny that you did one with them. But <laughs> yeah, you were fangirling over them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was completely. <laughs> All right. And our last one here. Um, what's one we're looking for silver linings here. So what's one way you'd say your life has improved during this stay at home period? I would say um, this time, this time has, has definitely made me appreciate the things that, that I took for granted. You know, the simple things that we would do. Yeah, it's really made me reflect on that. And, uh, and I certainly will appreciate the small things more once things go back to normal. Yeah, I think everyone's feeling that. Yeah. Well, perfect. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Be sure to check out Defending Jacob on Apple TV Plus now and stay tuned for another episode next week where we'll chat with some more talent from another great Apple TV Plus show. 